You are listening to Keep Canada Weird, a weekly weird news roundup by the Nighttime Podcast. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to the next episode in the Keep Canada Weird series. If you're new here, this is a series in which my pal Aaron and I seek out and explore some of the more interesting Canadian news stories from the past week. In tonight's episode, we have a good doctor, a bad dentist, some more Justin Bieber, and a neighborhood battle that has a pair of dentures caught in the crossfire. So let's get into it. Aaron, how you doing tonight, my friend? No, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm ready. Uh, I'm really ready. Although I notice uh, something really different about you tonight. Oh? Yeah. I saw you take a drink of your Diet Pepsi and you have a straw. Yeah. And it's not any straw. It's a metal straw. You may hear mm-hmm. it tingling around in my uh, aluminum can. That's it's a new very, thing. Very distracting visually and from an audio perspective as well. Uh, I'll tell you, it's... um. The reason I've done this with the straw, I've been using a straw to drink soda as well as coffee. And I I love it for coffee because the straw heats up. It's really cool. But uh, I learned about it from, uh, or I got inspired to do it because of, you know, the band The Darkness? Yes. Oh, yes, I do very much so. The singer for The Darkness, Justin Hawkins, he has a YouTube channel called Justin Hawkins Rides Again, where he just like picks like a random song or something and just plays it and talks about it. But anyway, um, he's always drinking coffee through a straw. And then in one of the videos, somebody is somebody brought it up and he said, the reason I do it is because like I get my teeth whitened professionally. And he said, if I if I don't use a straw, I have to get my teeth whitened like every like two months. But if I use a straw, I get my teeth whitened like every six months. And he's like, it makes a huge difference. So wow, I said, okay, so, I, I like that. Yeah. And I drink, like, honestly, I drink four cups of coffee and two pop a day. So mm-hmm. like, I was like, I'm thinking maybe that'll, maybe that's a good idea. And it kind of makes sense to keep the stuff off the front of your teeth. But anyway, for uh, about a week now, I, I went to Walmart. I bought some metal straws for a week now. I've been using them and, um, I don't know. I think it makes a difference. How do you find the enjoyment of the coffee, though, in terms of do you uh, find enough of your mouth gets the gets the flavor? Um, it was. Yeah, totally. I, no effect on my taste buds. It was just a little weird the first few times, like the way to have the coffee, like not like flow into your mouth, but kind of get delivered onto your tongue kind of is what happens that was weird at first but now i really enjoy it and also there's kind of um an added bonus is when you drink your coffee you can stir it with the straw so you're halfway through your coffee and you can just give it a quick stir or what's really fun if you want to mix it up if you put cream and sugar in you can blow a few bubbles down into the coffee and that'll kind of agitate the whole thing and really mix it up you know what? I was going to really make fun of you for that straw. And I turned it around? When I brought it, when I brought it up. <laughs> and I'm 100% sold and going to start doing that. Okay. I will mail you a straw if you need one. Because uh, I had a hard time finding the metal ones. But anyway, that's not what this is about. Let's move on. It isn't? <laughs> uh, it's a spinoff show about uh, teeth whitening, straws, and coffee. Um, yeah, well, we're getting into it. It does kind of the teeth whitening part does connect a little bit to what we're going to be oh, talking about tonight. Whoa, I never even thought about that. 
Yeah, that's yeah, a... because I was going to say my last trip to the dentist, I was because you were talking about the coffee thing and how it, you know, to keep it using a straw keeps it from splashing against your, you know, flowing through your teeth and staining them. I was really surprised when I went to have my last cleaning a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago or something. And I was like, wow, my teeth are so much whiter. Like they're really getting stained by the coffee and everything and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, whatever else I'm drinking. And hmm. um, that's a really good life hack. I really yeah, like there that. you go. Well, you learn something every time you tune into nighttime, especially the Keep Canada Weird series is this is for intelligent people. And <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, you, you mentioned there like that the teeth whitening thing kind of ties in. So for the listeners and the viewers, I every week, like as we build up to this, when I find an interesting or weird or offbeat story in the news, I just kind of save it in uh, with a screenshot on my phone, knowing that on Tuesday night, you Aaron and I are going to get into it. I didn't realize until like last night when I was putting all this together and sharing the stories with you that inadvertently this is kind of like a denture dentist medical special because almost all of the stories involve a dentist or a denturist or a dentures or a doctor i don't i'd say it's weird i don't know why that happened but i guess it's just like kind of like a uh, but every single story involves teeth yeah they do other other than the first because we do have to get into justin bieber we'll start with him no then, that involves teeth because you use them to eat the tin bits. bits oh man yeah you're on fire um so here, here's what we got to do before we get into the stories we got a few updates um and messages from listeners but before we get into that when we talked last week, you said you were going to go out and try to experience the world and have some kind of story of what's been going on. You joked that maybe you'll go get hit by a car. I don't believe that is true. But did you leave the house and do anything to tell us about it? You know what? Um, I did leave the house and, and, and nothing happened except for today. Um, I left the house to go and pick up necessities. And as I was driving downtown after I left my house, there was a young gentleman, we'll call him, getting off of a public transit bus who did one of the most unhidden uh, genital scratches publicly that I had ever seen in my life. Oh. He, it was the way he, like, you just have no inhibition whatsoever. And he just cocked his leg and dug in there and readjusted everything oh, and my. it was just i'd never seen anyone i've seen people try to sneak it in there like oh just a little whoop uh, readjustment you know like it like a light just movement uh you know very subtle assistance from the hand but this was just like a shovel digging a grave <laughs> maybe he didn't see you is that possible he thought he was alone he was in he was walking downtown he just got oh. off the bus and i was driving in the car being like oh my god he is like um, he was wearing like plaid pajama pants too so okay I'll, i don't want to talk about this anymore i just got like a mental image and yeah that's not cool i don't like that guy um, keep Canada weird, not uh, disgusting and borderline. Like, well, we got into Ram Ranch last week, so now we're <laughs> this point. is this is pretty light fare compared nothing. to what we were talking about last week yeah. and what you almost said on air. <laughs> yeah, I tried to read it. I famously uh, backed out mm-hmm. of reading Ram Ranch. Um, yeah, you're a coward. Let's get into some updates here. 
So I got uh, two pieces of, of feedback. Uh, the first one relates to, um, in our last week's episode, we talked about the frost quake. And I, t- and I had mentioned the fact that um, natural phenomenon could often be used to explain things that are considered paranormal or supernatural. Uh, and this is uh, some feedback related to this. So I'll read you the email. So it says, hi, Jordan, I'm over here in Creston, BC, home of Kokanee Beer. I was just listening to the latest episode of the Weird News podcast, and you guys mentioned paranormal stuff in the past being chalked up to natural phenomenon like ball lightning and etc. It made me remember hearing something once that a likely explanation for a lot of ghost sightings in homes in the olden days were that so many homes had small carbon monoxide leaks from poor ventilation and that a lot of people were suffering from CO2 poisoning, making them see things that weren't there. I thought that was interesting. Also, I have to say I own a Tim Hortons Justin Bieber fanny pack thanks to you. They're actually like $30, which is kind of crazy. But anyway, thanks, Jordan. I really enjoy listening. It's not kind of crazy. It's completely crazy. <laughs> a $30 Tim Hortons slash and, Justin and Bieber. any dollar Tim Hortons Justin Bieber <laughs> fanny pack. Well, if you look online. Any monetary value added to it is completely crazy. Uh, people are reselling them. You can, because I guess they were limited run. And uh, it turns out Justin Bieber is quite popular. So I'm not surprised that uh, they're a collector's item. I didn't get that, um, that commenter's name but i would suggest that they just take that fanny pack put it in a closet and let it just sit on it for a little bit i wouldn't wear it in public for a few reasons one is that it maybe would be worth 35 dollars in a couple years but right probably bigger reasons to not wear the just to not wear the justin bieber fanny pack out uh we're we're gonna get back to bieber though i got one other update uh this one relates to um we we uh, we spoke at length last week about how keys for fire trucks are possibly stored. We had uh, speculated that maybe they're kept in the ignition, maybe they're just kept hanging on a little chain uh, in the uh, or, or on a, a, a nail in the wall in the fire hall or something like this. Uh, a listener, they had their own opinion, and they sound like they know what they're talking about, and they also seem a little annoyed that we weren't able to get it right. Listen, no. tell me if you pick up annoyed in their voice. I'm already sorry. So I'd imagine if it's like transit buses, they do not have keys. They are push button start because when it's multiple people on multiple shifts driving multiple vehicles, you don't want a single key to start them. You want a locked building and you want them to be push start. So going off on that tangent of, where's the keys? How could they have left them available? You need to know that it's not likely got a key. When I listen to it a second time now, I'm realizing it's, she sounds more annoyed than I thought. Oh, it was way worse than what I, you were like, tell me if you can pick up. And I'm like, oh, I can totally pick it up. I (laughs) I feel threatened right now. Uh, I'm getting the, I don't know, but I'm getting the vibe. Maybe they're a bus driver or something. Cause they say if it's anything like the transit system, um, right, right. that kind of sounds like something like a bus driver would say, like referring to it as the transit system. And may, if not bus driver, maybe they're involved in that in some way. I wish they elaborated a bit more, but they didn't even start by, Hey guys, it's just like, if it's anything, 
<laughs> right. Just like, you idiots! You're complete idiots! I cut that. Yeah, that was like right after I ended it there. I cut yeah, off the Yeah, I could machine. tell. Yeah, because that's where it was naturally going. <laughs> <laughs> the two morons last week who were talking about the assumptions of where the keys are are really, really dumb. Uh, um, yeah, but it's uh, w- with podcasts, uh, I can maybe um, projecting uh, her, her, my experiences on her, but whenever you listen to a podcast and they're talking about something you know about well, it's so frustrating because you, you like, generally, the, so, yeah. the podcasters are often talking about something they just have a kind of layman knowledge about. But if you, you're an expert on it, it can be annoying. I find... Uh, Another example is if there's ever anything in the news about your profession, whatever your profession is, if if there's an article about it in the news and you read the comments, you're going to be like livid because there's just so many idiots that are misunderstanding things and chiming in their opinions. Um, I she probably had a bit of that experience, uh, that feeling. She probably heard us talking about something she knows intimately, and she's like, "Oh, I just got to let them know." But it's better just that gotta uh, teach those boys a lesson. Yeah, but um, not to go on and on again about uh, not to go on and on again about um, how the keys are stored. But I guess it makes sense to instead of worrying about the keys for the fire hall or sorry, the keys for the fire truck, it's probably easier to just maintain a safe fire hall with the truck inside it. You know what I mean? Like that maybe makes sense. And having just a push button would. uh, make it work better but anyway i'm, I'm gonna go like she, she sounded irritated enough that i believe she knows what she's talking about and we don't so i'm going to assume that she's correct yeah yeah i'm gonna just for my own safety assume that too because <laughs> i don't want to make this listener any more angry yeah we don't want it any worse all right well that's the updates and um inquiries uh we're now ready to get into our weird news stories for the week so we plucked out i I think we got four of them here so we have um the story of justin bieber saving a not so beloved canadian franchise we have a crime story about a dentist we have a really nasty story about a good doctor and then we have a dispute that has dentures at the heart of it Where do you think we should start with this? My heart tells me to save the Bieber story for a bit. Okay. All right. Well, why don't we get into, um, why don't we start heavy with the good doctor who was done wrong? Yeah. So that's, is that our official crime in Canada segment? No, I think the crime in Canada is going to be the bad dentist. Oh right, the bad dentist. You're Although right. there's both... so many, there's so many medical uh, individuals involved tonight that I... yeah, and they're kind yeah. of both crime stories. But I'm not going to overplay our crime in Canada intro, so we'll save that for the dentist. Let's mm-hmm. start with the doctor, and I, I say this is a story about a good doctor, but this story is literally the stuff of nightmares. Generally. On Keep Canada Weird, we're trying to find offbeat and unusual news stories that aren't too upsetting or traumatic. This one is right on the line. It's certainly a weird story. It's an awful story. It's very scary. 
Uh, let me start by reading you a little bit of, about it here. This is a, a story that takes place in Halifax. So there's there's a few articles about this um, because it's been covered as it unfolded. But very recently, the doctor at the heart of this story um, is has announced that he's taking legal action against the Halifax police. So I'm going to start with a little explanation on the legal action, and then we'll back up and go a bit more in depth of what actually happened here. So the doctor involved, his name is Dr. David Barnett. He just announced this this week that he's uh, is is seeking three million dollars in damages uh, related to a false child pornography allegation made to him that stemmed from a police error, which is just horrifying. So let me get through the article and then we'll chat about it. So in a notice of action filed Tuesday in the Supreme Court of Nova Scotia, Dr. David Barnett seeks $3 million in damages from members of the Halifax Regional Police, the RCMP, and the Halifax Regional Municipality. In December 2020, Barnett was wrongly arrested on suspicion of possession and distribution of child pornography. He was subsequently suspended from practicing medicine. The error was the result of Barnett's email being similar to a U.S. suspect's email. The case against him was dismissed and his suspension lifted, with the Halifax police acknowledging he'd been wrongly accused. Um, the error was noted by a Nova Scotia Justice of the Peace who refused to provide a search warrant for Barnett's Halifax home. A second Justice of the Peace, however, approved an updated request later that day. Barnett's notice of action, dated February 15th, noted that in addition to being suspended from practicing medicine, the false arrest also led to his name being linked to child pornography allegations in news outlets, the loss of his income and professional opportunities, damage to his personal and professional reputations, and legal costs associated with his criminal defense. It also claims Barnett's rights under the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms were violated by the defendants during these events. It said police did not have reasonable grounds to search Burnett's home and that the police never obtained a judicially authorized warrant to arrest him at his home. The notice then goes on to name members of the police and parties involved in the investigation and arrest and reasons why each is named as a defendant. A statement of defense has yet to be filed. Halifax Regional Police said no comment because there are ongoing legal process in relation to this matter. The HRM, Halifax Regional Municipality, confirmed it received the notice of action and it's being reviewed. RC, uh, CBC News, I'm reading an article by them, contacted the RCMP for comment and they said it didn't lay charges in the case and that CBC should contact the Halifax police. So that is the, the, kind of the basics of it. In a moment, we'll get back and go through exactly what happened leading to these allegations being faced against him. But... I got to say, like the the idea of being falsely accused and publicly falsely accused, like with it being in the news and everything of child pornography has to be like the worst possible false allegation that could be made against you. Like, I feel horrible for this guy. Yeah, yeah. No, that is the worst thing you could be accused of because um, it's a horrible thing that somebody could do, you know, and it's and it's the thing that there's no turning back on with that mm -hmm. allegation once the public sees you in that light that's how they'll see you for the rest of your life whether you're you know proven innocent or not probably mm -hmm. and much like any kind of um spectacle and salacious news story 
the the original story would have been so much more controversial that it would be spread far and wide and everybody would be talking about it and sharing it and everybody who knows or ever saw this doctor probably commented on it and whatnot when when it all dies down and the doctor is cleared of wrongdoing and sues the government and all this stuff like i don't believe that these articles will spread as far so there will i think there will always be people in his community that believe he was guilty and just never followed the story after you know the original reporting of it and and like he's suing for three million dollars in damages that seemed like to me that seems low i would want more than that i was and, thinking the same thing that's what i was going to bring up you know was one of the things to talk about with this article was that three million to me that's pennies like you know today three million dollars is 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 not i mean you know if i had three million dollars right now i'd be like yeah but i probably wouldn't retire mm -hmm. You know, and, and like in this guy, um, three million to like to a doctor is probably even less money than it would be to exactly. You and I. Yeah, that's what I can't understand because you're talking about like how long in between when did he first get ch charged with this 2020 sometime? Yeah, uh, and he December was December of 2020 or in an yeah, I think it was December 1st, uh, or right, beginning of December. He had his license suspended for a short period of time until it was given back, but I think his um. His lawsuit in that money is not so much about like loss of income because he's back to working and he's making money again. I think it's more about like the damage to the reputation, which makes sense and the trauma like that would have been. Well, that's the thing I was just going to mention is the trauma of like, you know, for over well over a year. Um you know, he probably sat in his house, didn't go anywhere, didn't want to see anybody like, you know, always the, the relationships you have with everyone in your life would be completely distorted. Like it would be, you know, nobody would or few people would truly believe you when you're saying it's not me, it's mistaken identity or it's, mm -hmm. I don't know how they linked it to me or whatever. Yeah. Um, like that's a, that's a over a year of that. And I don't know. I just, I, I think 3 million is, is, is not enough to, because yeah. he's going to be carrying this for however long after this too. This isn't just going to just disappear. Yeah. And again, the nature of the allegation is such that it's like the worst thing you could publicly be publicly be accused of. And when I'm going to read you an, another article that goes a bit more in depth of how they came to falsely accuse him. And this just makes it even worse because it's like, of course, it's one thing if they had, you know, some reason to suspect you and you were able to defend yourself and prove that you didn't do it. Like, that's kind of one thing. In this case, it's like, it's so upsetting. He must be so upset that this mm -hmm. happened. Let me let me read you this. This is a, a bit uh, a bit older of an article. This is about a year ago. And this was um, when it first came out, like what led to him being uh, accused. So this is another CBC article with the headline, false child porn allegation against Halifax doctor stemmed from a U.S. police error. So here it is. So the false pornography allegations against a Halifax area doctor stemmed from a U.S. law enforcement error involving a North Dakota investigation, a mistake that was then compounded by police in Halifax. Dr. David Barnett was arrested in December on suspicion of possession and distribution of child pornography and was subsequently suspended from practicing medicine. 
Last week, the case against him was dismissed and his suspension lifted, with Halifax police acknowledging he'd been wrongly accused. The new information about the case comes from an information to obtain a search warrant document that lays out many new details of the police, the police investigation on both sides of the border. The records show the error involving an email address of a U.S. suspect that was similar to Barnett's. It was even noted by a Nova Scotia Justice of the Peace who on December 1st refused to approve a search warrant for Barnett's house. A second Justice of the Peace, however, approved and updated the request later that day. The search warrant document was sworn by Halifax Police Detective Constable Jennifer Murray before Justice of the Peace Allison Rose of Dartmouth. In it, Murray describes herself as assigned to the Integrated Internet Child Exploitation Unit, which operates with both the RCMP and the HRP officers. The information to obtain records or in the information to obtain records, Murray is requesting permission to seize and analyze computer equipment from Barnett's hosts on the suspicion that they contained electronic child pornography. Murray based her search warrant request on files provided by the RCMP's National Child Exploitation Coordination Center that relayed de details of an investigative package file from U.S. Homeland Security investigations. The Homeland Security file contained an email between two U.S. officials discussing the case and which said, here is a brief summary of what led us to believe David Barnett, a Nova Scotia family doctor, is responsible for distributing child pornographic material. The email goes on to explain that child porn material initially under investigation was uploaded in North Dakota from a KIK K -I -K, messenger app with the username Willie84. On November 9, 2020, officers with the Fargo Police Department, the North Dakota Bureau of Criminal Investigation, and Homeland Security Investigations executed search warrants at the Fargo, North Dakota address associated with that account, seizing computer equipment, and arresting a man named Cody Wilson who lived there. Wilson denied uploading child porn from his Kick account. But police searched Wilson's phone during interrogation and found a conversation with a second person named Dustin Burnett via the New Zealand file sharing site mega.nz. The online conversation included a video uploaded by Dustin Burnett that depicted a girl between 8 and 10 years old in a sexual context, including, according to the search warrant allegations. The mega.nz account belonging to Dustin Barnett was linked by a Gmail address with the name DS Barnett followed by a series of numbers. This appears to be the root of the error, which linked an innocent Halifax doctor to child porn activities. So basically, the long story short is the American police arrested a guy for child pornography. They found a message thread between the guy in, the, in America with a guy in New Zealand that included uh, transmitting child porn. The guy in New Zealand's email, his name was Dustin Burnett, and his email had like D Burnett and a string of numbers. It seems like the only thing that connects them to this uh, Dr. Burnett, Dr. David Burnett in Halifax, is that David Burnett also had an email address, but with Gmail, but it was a completely different address. Like how, I don't know how that could even happen. Yeah, it still doesn't add up to me because the other thing too is about when they applied for the first search warrant, it and was we're, denied because of this reason, right? Yeah, like the first justice of the peace 
denied yeah. it because the the email addresses didn't match and then they went to a second one later the day, that day Here, so when they saw that it didn't match why didn't they just give up then like okay like, it's not his email yeah it's just a, like there's there's a whole bunch of d barnett's on gmail here's a, a little bit more of information a bit more information here on the about what google and when, when they got involved so it says that the homeland security investigation email included information collected from google the company behind gmail inexplicably police asked google for information about a completely different email address the new email address they requested shared elements with dustin barnett's email but was clearly different the new incorrect gmail account belonged to david burnett the halifax family doctor the source of the new email address is not explained. It had no connection to the child pornography investigation, but police in, in U.S. and Canada continued to operate like it did. So for unknown reasons, when the police in the United States went to Gmail to be like, who owns this email address? They gave them a completely different email address that matched Dr. David Barnett's. <laughs> like how, what are the odds of that? No, a, I don't know. It seems so fishy and weird to me. Like, yeah. Well, you would. I think don't. I can't. I can't really understand how that could happen. Hmm. The email that they had didn't match his. Like, how is it even pursued after that by any hmm. logical employed individual? And, yeah, and not only did it not match, it was even caught by a justice of the peace who said, "No, I'm not going to approve a search warrant. It doesn't match." Because there's no other piece of that. I mean, from the information we have, there's nothing else that links this doctor in Nova Scotia other than an email that's kind of similar to an email from some guy in New Zealand. Yeah, well, it, it just shows like with with an investigation, especially something as delicate and important as like a child pornography investigation like that like things like that need to be done right those those are allegations that you can't put against the wrong person for obvious reasons but they're also crimes that should be investigated with proper care so you get the right people it's just like this whole thing is they should be embarrassed uh for sure but they should also be held to accountability and that should be oh, suspensions and, be... and huge mm -hmm. lawsuits uh i think three million is him being very generous but i guess when you're absolutely generous like he uh, i'm just shocked that he's only going for three million and when you sue um you need to justify like the amount of money you're going for so if you know if he missed work for a period of time of course that mm -hmm. what he would have made is hell is is uh, relevant and and I'm sure there's kind of standards for um, like the trauma that he would have went through and the pain and suffering you know these sorts of things but it just it still just strikes me as um, awful and uh, it should and it should yeah. be disciplinary measures as well for the officers who had the first search warrant declined and went for the second they need to have a good reason why they did that and I, I can't imagine what that would be no no, I, I, I can't. This makes no sense at all why they would why they would chase down this doctor in Nova Scotia mm -hmm. over us when the email didn't match. Why? It, it still fries my brain. Yeah. Um, Ryan, understand how this got as far as it got. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. And I saw a few um, 
articles about it right when he was released that involved them like speaking to his past patients and several of them were really standing up for him being like he's a great guy i don't believe the allegations are true you know he's an amazing doctor um so there was there's certainly some redemption there but i don't know how good that redemption is like i would i would rather be accused of killing seven thousand people with my bare hands then well that's because it would make you feel strong yeah because of my hands it was yeah. i used karate yeah. and it, it was, was not like you came in with like machine guns on a helicopter and obliterated seven no it people. was like you were strangling them all and, and kicking them too and wrestling them to the ground <laughs> yeah. well let's move on So that was a bit that was a bit dark. I think we need to lighten it up. Let's um let's step away from the medical profession and let's um no, let's not step away from the medical profession. Why don't we go into another story um or our first story of the night that involves teeth and cover a battle that somehow has dentures in the center of it, caught in the crossfire. You want to get into this one? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So this one, it's it's a story coming out of British Columbia. Um, this is one of those stories that are, are so unique and bizarre that it's covered all over the place. Um, sadly, I, I haven't been able to find photos of the people involved because I really wanted to get a look at them. But let me tell you a mm-hmm. bit of the story. I'm going I'm to read from a CBC article with the headline, Denture held hostage in fight between neighbors leaves BC man with bill from small claims court. So here we go. A heated argument between neighbors that ended with one man's dentures flying over the fence into the other's yard, never to be seen again, has landed in BC small claims court. On Tuesday, Bob B, I'll call him because I, I don't want to try to pronounce, miss, mess up his last name. Uh, so on Tuesday, Bob B was ordered to pay his next door neighbor $1,829 for a replacement and other costs after the Civil Resolution Tribunal found he took Todd King's falling dentures and, ref- and refused to return it after their dispute on May 27th, 2021. The details of what happened that day are laid out in a, de- in a decision from tribunal member Leah Volkers, who found that Mr. Bob B. had committed the tort of conversion against King by intentionally depriving him of his personal property. It does not specify where the neighbors live. The argument between the two men began when Bob B. broke up a fight between King and a third neighbor, referred to it by the initials TF in the tribunal's decision. King and Bob B. then began arguing over their shared fence, with T.F. looking on, the decision says. King told the tribunal that at some point, his upper denture became unstuck and fell over the fence into Bob B.'s property. King says that the third man, T.F., went to pick it up, but Bob B. stopped him. Mr. King says Bob B. picked up his dentures, put them in his pocket, and refused to return them. He says he called the police to retrieve the denture from Bob B., who denied even having it. No evidence about that police call was submitted to the tribunal, but King did include a letter he wrote to Bob B. on June 10th asking for his dentures to be returned. Bob B. has denied taking the false teeth. He argued he should not be responsible for the lost denture and that King was drunk. Bob B. also said police searched his yard but but were unable to find the missing dentures and that they took King to jail that night. 
King has not denied being arrested, the decision says. The piece of evidence that swayed the, tri the tribunal towards King's versions of the events was an affidavit signed by the third man, T.F., whom Volkers describes as, at the very least, a neutral witness to the events. T.F. says they tried to convince Bob B. to return the dentures several times, but he refused. T.F. said they sent their wife to ask Bob B. for the denture, but he refused to return it. Volkers points out that T.F. was standing in Bob B.'s yard during the fight, where they would have had a clear vantage of the denture's trajectory. Secondly, T.F.'s original argument was with King, not Bob B., so it was unlikely that T.F. would be dishonest in their evidence to favor Mr. King. King had asked for $3,480 for a replacement denture and $1,520 for pain and suffering. Volkers reduced that amount significantly, finding he only paid $1,500 for new bridge work, and writing that she only saw evidence supporting $200 in damages. Bob B. now has 28 days to file a notice of objection to the tribunal's decision. What do you make of that one? I think there's a long history between these three neighbors that yeah. we don't know about. Yeah, and I don't think the tribunal could ever understand no. the, the, the politics and balancing act that is that neighborhood. But because I, I think... I think I fall on the side of the neighbor who kept the dentures. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think I'm sympathetic to them as well. But the guy over the fence, like, was he being aggressive and shouting? Well, here's the thing. I don't think someone keeps the dentures unless they've been provoked to the point of no return. Mm -hmm. So I think the relationship between these three neighbors has gotten to a point over years and years, you know, and, and how it can get with neighbors and fences and property lines and noise and, and disturbances and, and whatever else neighbors can get angry at, at each other for. I think the neighbor who lost the dentures pushed the other neighbor to the point over 20, 30 years or however long it's been to where he said, you know what? I can't take it anymore. I saw an opportunity. His dentures fell out and I kept them. And I went into the house and I flushed them down the, 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 the garbage disposal. <laughs> That's possible. It, it's reminding me, this whole story reminds me of something that happened to me in high school um, it, with, with our good friend, our mutual good friend, Randy. I'm going to try to get him on the phone and see if, oh, yeah, if he remembers. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Let's, let's yeah. see. <laughs> Yeah. His memory's better than mine, so if I need anything mm -hmm. from high school, I go to him. Let's see if he's yeah. there. You got to tell him. Right? Hi, it's Scott Moore. Oh, he's not there. Weird. Um. He's always home. Anyway, I'll I'll tell the story <laughs> to the best of my memory. <laughs> well, he'll be in the shower. That's yeah, possible. Um, so with with Randy in high school, I remember like I sat next to him in there was someone who was sitting behind Randy that was kind of picking at him and he had a pencil and he was like reaching forward and like hitting Randy, like on the back of his neck, like kind of whacking him every so often. And Randy kind of waited for his opportunity. And when the guy went to hit the back of the pen on the back of his neck, he grabbed the pen and put it in his, or and actually, and then he turned around and he said, you see this, this is mine now. 
and he put it in his pocket <laughs> and uh it yeah, kept the guy's yeah. pen and that's kind of like this is a like the denture fence version of being like See that's this? what i think this is because this is mine now if if the guy who kept the dentures was the person who was irritating the it just it doesn't add up to me it seems like that's the kind of move you make when you've been pushed to the point of no return yeah i i feel and you're left with no other choice all right i'm i've had it with you i'm taking your dentures yeah see these and i don't care what happens you see these they're mine now <laughs> i also love the idea of like leaning over the fence shouting the third party tf sees the trajectory like he's able he's to see. writing everything down he's yeah, like no i gotta record it this time last time i didn't record it <laughs> um what a story I, and I just I, picture the guy who took the dentures showing up to the court days with the dentures in his mouth along with his other regular teeth too while he claimed to have not and he taken smiles them. at the guy as he's yeah. leaving i never took his dentures ting <laughs> 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 Uh, I like that one. Um, yeah. Let's uh, let's stick within the dental profession. So we just did dentures, um, but we're going to move on to dentists. So a very um, adjacent yeah. kind of topic. This one is a another story that's kind of on the cusp of being too much for Keep Canada Weird, but. Uh, it's certainly a weird story because much like the child porn allegation against that good doctor, the story and the, uh, the allegations against this dentist are kind of like the stuff of nightmares. Although um, it seems like there's a lot more evidence that this is a very bad dentist. Um, we're going to be talking about uh, a Nova Scotia based, well, Halifax based dentist former dentist named Dr. Earl Gong. This week in Crime in Canada. Now, this is a... Anyone who's followed this story uh, from, from Nova Scotia, it's been going on for, for a while, but things are really heating up now. Uh, this is a, a, a dentist who... His specialty for... like He's a longtime dentist who had a specialty in treating children. Uh, or people who had like kind of like a dent dentist phobia sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Like he, I think he would even put people to sleep and treat them. I think was one of the services that his uh, dentist office provided. So I'm going to kind of break the storytelling up into two sections. One is I'll I'm going to go through an article that explains the allegations against him, and then I'll get to a development that led to this being considered this week uh, in, in this week's episode because stuff stuff has changed. So I'm going to mm -hmm. back up to December of 2020 with an article that really first announced how bad this looked, um, the allegations against Dr. Earl Gom. Uh, and actually, it was the launch of a class action lawsuit against him. So again, I'm going back in time two years-ish to December of 2020. Detailed in this notice of class action lawsuit are a long list of misconduct allegations pressed against former Halifax area dentist, Errol Gom. His dentistry license was suspended last month after a slew of misconduct allegations came forward. Now, more than 150 people are involved in the legal action. 
I just want to see him punished for what he did. Ryan Binder is one of the suit's plaintiffs. He claims Dr. Gom used excessive force on his six-year-old daughter, Peyton, by holding his head over her mouth while pinching her nose. Binder says the suspension was a good first step, but not nearly enough. I think if he does get punished, I think more people can move on with their life and not have to think about what happened in the past. There's hundreds and hundreds of us that have experienced the same trauma. Sunyata Choice is the other plaintiff. She says Dr. Gom treated her when she was a kid. She says Dr. Gom would routinely hold her down, and when she would call out for help, she said he would inflict more pain. Pretty much he's gotten away with this his whole career. So that's what spiraled the class action. According to the lawsuit, other techniques Dr. Gom allegedly used with children included slapping in the face, covering mouths with a towel, restraining arms and legs with leather straps, and holding heads back with extreme force. McGillivray Law, which submitted the lawsuit on Thursday, hasn't provided a dollar value on the legal action, saying each damage would be assessed differently. We have folks who are still suffering with, um, you know, the dental work that they had done 20, 30 years ago. We're still paying for additional dental work, uh, maybe certain uh, anxiety medications that they do need to take prior to seeing dentists. Dr. Gom's legal team was unavailable for an interview. As for what happens next, the lawsuit still needs to be certified by a judge. And there's currently no timeline for how long that will take. So that is a pretty nasty allegations. But it's, again, these aren't allegations from one sole person. This is, they're proposing a class action, which, you know, you need a, a group of people to make that happen. Um, and are, are all the allegations from, like, 30, 40 years ago? Or well, the, the one with the little girl named Peyton, that was, like... Um, a month before that article was written, I believe. So like oh, okay. November of 2020. And that seems what really set it off. Like this um, young girl had the horrible experience and her parents went to the press and were in the news about it. And that led to other people coming out of the woodwork, it seems. Mm -hmm. But it was it was really initially like it was there was these allegations. He was suspended slash retired because he's an old man. Um, but there was no criminal charges against him at that point. But that's really what changed. This is an article from February 17th, 16th, so just a few days ago. Um, and it's basically the development uh, in going from class action to an actual criminal case. It's a relief. It's a good start forward. For Ryan Binder is feeling on. one step closer uh, to justice. Yeah. He's a plaintiff in a class action lawsuit against Errol Gum a former Halifax area dentist who had his license suspended in November 2020 after several professional misconduct allegations came to light. Now, criminal charges have been laid. It's finally good to see that something is getting done. So I, I can't really be happy about it, but more just relief. Halifax Regional Police say a 78-year-old man was arrested on Monday and is facing eight counts of assault in relation to eight separate incidents involving eight victims. Police say the charges stem from numerous reports that a man who was working as a dentist had assaulted patients at several locations. Police did not specifically name Errol Gom, but Nova Scotia Public Prosecution Service confirmed to Global News that the charges against Gom allegedly occurred between 1971 and 1991. Errol Gom has not commented publicly since these allegations came to light. His lawyer, Joel Pink, declined an interview and did not provide a statement explaining why. Halifax Regional Police also declined an interview.
In a statement, the Provincial Dental Board of Nova Scotia said they are aware of the charges against gum and are fully cooperating in the investigation. They also said the investigation into the complaints against GOM remains ongoing. Binder says the charges mark a monumental step forward. It was a win with the eight cases that they had. So I guess the eight cases is kind of a win for everybody, not just the eight people. Errol GOM is scheduled to appear in Halifax Provincial Court on April 26th for a plea hearing. It, it does. He hasn't given any kind of statement. But And um, there's someone in the chat who says they were there um there was a pri there was a soundproof room or something or some soundproof room um whoa so kl says i found the soundproof room and was fired said it was for privacy but i believe it was to muffle the screams um kl why don't you email me and maybe we can talk about that if you if you work there yikes so i think uh kl is gonna call in okay let me uh Put the call-in number on the screen here. All right, we're good. Let me just take a drink from my metal straw. Yeah, do it as quietly as you can, please. Oh, so grating. <laughs> have you, well, while we're waiting, have you ever had a bad dentist experience that haunts you to this day? Oh, wait, Aaron, I actually have a caller coming in. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Hey, is this KL? It is once again, Jordan. What, what's um, did with uh, Earl Gom? Did you work for him? Like, how did you get to see the soundproof space he had? Okay, I um, I worked there for about three or four weeks back around two thousand four. Okay. I was only assigned for like two days a week, but I went through ten days of training, mm -hmm. like Monday to Friday. And um, the other couple of weeks, I might have been there just two days a week. Mm. Um, anyways, when I was trained, uh, like, I didn't know about this room. Mm -hmm. I didn't know anything about it. And, oh, and just before you trained, get to the before you get to the room, what, were you being like, what would, would have been your position there? Were you like a hygienist or what were you being trained to do? I was uh, training on the computer system to be a receptionist. OK. All right. Three. So how do, you, how do you find this soundproof room or whatever it is? Okay. The office staff always worked as a team everywhere I worked. Mm -hmm. You know, the parents came to a receptionist and said, can you go check on my child? The receptionist came down. They're always welcomed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So during my training, if we heard screams at the front desk, we were instructed to turn up the volume on the TV or radio. I can't remember what it was. Um, just because the waiting room was like 10, 15 feet away from us. So if we heard the muffling screen, then we were instructed to turn it up so the parents wouldn't worry about their child. Mm -hmm. Okay, so one day, it was after my training, so I was there alone. I can't remember if the girl that was training me told me not to go down there or not. And... Um, Anyway, so here came up to me one day, it was just me there on the desk, and said, can you go down and check on my child? And I said, certainly, right? I had no problem going down and checking on a child. Anyway, I, I didn't walk down these halls before. And I walked down the hall, 
I saw one dark room. It had just the dental light, no chair below it. So I kept walking past it. And I'm like, whoa, the sound's coming from back there, but I don't know where the operatory is. So I peeked my head in this dark room, and the dentist, I can't even remember. There was two dentists there. Um, I can't even remember which dentist it was. Mm. They kicked the glass door open. The whole room was glass. And when they kicked the door open, the screens multiplied like 10 times. Oh. I was like, what in the heck? Like, I was stunned. I was just like, what in the hell? Like, I never saw one of these glass rooms before. Hmm. And I remember them saying, don't you ever come down this, down to this room again. So you got, you got the vibe, you weren't welcome down there. I said, I just came back to check on the pay. You tell them the child's fine. Mm. So I went back, told them their child's fine. And then Dr. Dom came out later that day and said things aren't working out, gave me a paycheck, and I left. <laughs> you got fired that day? But, yes. But one, uh, one day during my training, I remember HRP showing up. That's Halifax and Regional Police. I remember the girl training me said, go take your break. So I went and took my break. I didn't think anything of it. And um, I didn't know this was going on. Jesus. But um, I only, I say it's semi-soundproof because it was, if it was soundproof, we wouldn't have heard those muffled screams. Mm-hmm. Okay, we wouldn't have been instructed to turn up the volume. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think what all this shows, though, is that it seems like there was an like a an effort to kind of hide what was actually going on back there, or how bad it would uh, that it would be. So that's a uh, yeah, that's a, a frightening story. Anything like this, it just gives me the I think you call it the heebie-jeebies, and this is giving me a serious case of them. It's coming across like a horror movie. Yeah. Well, it seems like uh, whatever it is, uh, if the allegations are true, it seems like he's crossed the line. But um, it will follow this story. But e- either way, KL, I appreciate you calling in and giving uh, some background. It, it brought it to life a bit. But we'll uh, we'll see you back in the chat. Okay. Bye bye. Huh. Well, that that comes across. Wow. As, yeah. Um, yeah. But it's the idea of like this dentist having like this back room and kind of like everybody stay back. It, it almost sounds like you're, you're expecting like, you know, like sexual abuse or something to be going on, but no, it just seems like it's really rough dentistry, but what would be his motivation to do it? Maybe just to be the dentist who gets it done. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe it's an old school you know, thing that he learned when he first got into it, maybe because I mean, I know I've heard stories from my parents when uh, uh, my mom said, you know, when you went to the dentist, you know, in the 60s or whatever, and the the 50s, maybe I don't know, but um, it was a different scene then, you know, it was a different it wasn't the kind of way that it is now. And she would always talk about how yeah, the dentist was just like, you know, all business and just like, boom, down, yank, out, you know, like it was just kind of a bit of a rougher 
uh, treatment back then, I think it wasn't as, you know, yeah. advanced and, as it is now. Yeah. Anyway, well, Dr. Earl Gum, um, we're going to follow his story with whatever comes when that, when, what I'll probably do, like when that court case with those eight charges against them actually runs their course, I'll probably do an episode, like a full nighttime mm. episode about his story. Um, right. Oh, it's awful. But and check out the Facebook group too that she mentioned. Yeah. Well, let's get on now to, uh, we'll lighten things up at the end. How does that sound? Oh, yeah, I could use a bit of light. Hello, listeners. Sorry to pull you out of the episode like this, but I want to take a moment and let you know about something I just posted to the premium feed. The first episode of my premium feed exclusive series, Letters to Nighttime, was just uploaded. In this series, Letters to Nighttime, I read, respond to, and discuss listener mail of all types. There's questions, feedback, topic recommendations, hate mail, and weird stuff to my P.O. box. Basically, if you'd like a behind-the-scenes look at the show, you're going to want to listen to Letters to Nighttime. You can find the February episode and all other premium content at patreon.com slash nighttimepodcast. Again, you can support the show and give yourself more of it at p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash nighttime podcast. And a gentle reminder to everyone interested, all annual subscribers of the premium feed receive a nighttime swag pack by mail. Now let's get back to the episode. Hey Randy, how you doing? No, actually, I called you live on air earlier. I had a question. Do you remember a situation back in high school where someone like was hitting you with a pen or pencil and you took their pencil and said something to them? You said something like, you see this? (laughs) This is mine now. (laughs) Okay, you don't remember? I don't remember that. So what I remember is like someone was like, hitting you with a pencil while you were sitting down and you kind of grabbed the pencil while they were hitting you and you like held it up and you said you see this this is mine now and you put it in your pocket <laughs> awesome. Do you, you don't remember it? it it's, it sounds like something I would have done okay I probably got that from Saturday Night Live okay all right Anyway, I'm in the middle of a live stream. I was just talking about that story, and I was just wondering if you remembered it. Um, I don't, but that's cool that you do. Awesome, buddy. Well, we'll talk soon. <laughs> yeah. Bye. Bye. This is a story that won't be new something we covered a few times here before. It sort of involves teeth, as you said at the beginning, because it involves a mouth. It, it is the story of how Justin Bieber and his collaboration with Tim Hortons, the Tim Biebs, uh, has single-handedly turned around Tim Hortons uh, profits or, or business. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a, a short article. This is a CTV article that I, I guess uh, before I read the article is that Tim Hortons recently reported kind of like their their year-end 
numbers. And it seems that Justin Bieber's product, the Tim Biebs, has changed everything. So I'm going to read it now. So the Canadian coffee chain's parent company, Restaurant Brands International, reported that sales rose 10.3% at stores open at least a year in the fourth quarter of 2021. That reversed an 11% decline for the same quarter a year ago. In November, 20, uh, in November of 2021, Tim Hortons jumped on the celebrity meal bandwagon to help boost its bottom line. It needed star power because sales have been sagging at the chain because people were working from home and it disrupted people's pre-pandemic behavior by stopping by the coffee chain for breakfast. It had also been working to improve its core menu, upgrade its loyalty program, and enhance its digital strategy. A limited-time donut hole line called Tim Beebs Timbits. Whoa, we got to stop there. They refer to it as a donut, yeah, donut hole. hole. I know when I read the article, I was like, donut hole. See? Uh, we don't need to go back into that. Um, no. So a limited time donut hole line called Tim Beebs Timbits collection consisted of three donut flavors that was created by Bieber, including chocolate white fudge, sour cream chocolate chip, and birthday cake waffle, as well as branded merch, like we heard about the fanny pack that the listener had purchased. Um, the Tim Beebs promotion was one of the more successful traffic driving initiatives in recent memory and outperformed our initial expectations, said CEO Jose Sill during a Tuesday analyst call discussing the company's financial results. The, collabora the collaboration led to unprecedented social engagement and increased appeal with younger guests said the CEO. I'm a believer, he added, using the term coined by Bieber's fans. You can expect to see more from this exciting partnership in the year ahead. The Canadian singer said that doing a Tim Hortons collab has always been a dream of mine. And when the partnership launched, adding that he Oh, when the partnership launched, adding that he grew up eating Tim Hortons. McDonald's jumpstarted the celebrity meal trend in 2020, and it became a boon for the brand. Other chains copied the trend, including Tim Hortons' sister brand, Burger King, where sales in the U.S. rose 2% in the fourth quarter. So yeah, it looks like... Um Justin Bieber's saving the Bieber is saving the day. I I can't say I'm I'm surprised by that. Really, I knew it was a hit. I, w I was I was there opening day and I bought Tim Biebs and the lineup like for the drive-through was like way back in the parking lot and I was when I was in the uh, car like the car in front of me it was all these kids they were blasting Justin Bieber and like dancing in the car. <laughs> uh, I'm just. If this is so dumb, the whole it, thing is oh, so, it's so dumb. dumb. But but I wonder, like, it's maybe they don't. So maybe dumb. Tim Hortons doesn't realize. But the fact that it's so dumb is probably part of the success. Like, I bought these Tim Beeb Timbits a bunch of times just because it was so silly to go through the drive-through, and I would always be like, "Can I get the Justin Bieber Timbits?" And just make it sound dumb and ask stupid questions about them. I've talked mm. about it on this show a few times. I made a video about it. And it's like, and I think, and I'm just saying, like, not saying I'm responsible for like the growth. Of no, Tim you Hortons. are responsible. Yeah, you, know, you are <laughs> but, directly responsible. But I just mean like, I'm one of probably a million people that are like, that's stupid. I'll buy them. It's just, it's, it makes me so mad that <laughs> Tim Horton's sales are down, right? So this is where this whole thing starts before they mm -hmm. reach out to 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 an unrelated entity known as Justin Bieber, who has, other than the fact that he's Canadian, it's not like he is a chef master, pastry, you know, expert. 
experience and this and that. He's just a famous person. And they're like, well, you know what? We have two options here to increase sales. We could take a look at, you know, our product, uh, you know, and, and, and think about making it better because we've really taken the quality of our product down in order to cut costs, increase, you know, our profits and, and uh, shareholders and, and, and all the usual reasons why the bigger a company gets, you know, that happens, right? So they can be like, well, we can make our product better, but that's gonna cost us a lot more money in the long run. So let's just reach out to Justin Bieber because he's got a lot of fans and he's on social media. And then let's, uh, you know, call a couple of Timbits, uh, you know, after his name and and that's all we'll have to do um, and then our sales go up and and our product is still terrible uh if if you're annoyed now i have a feeling you're going to be very annoyed in the future because it's like if that worked and the ceo even said in like one of the quotes there is like we're planning to do more things like this oh yeah i'm yeah. thinking that's like next year so mad about it. and i'm sure you're <laughs> going to go in there next year and you're like walking into a justin bieber concert with all justin bieber merchandise and they'll just completely yeah, ruin none it. none of it none of it has anything to do with a quality cup of coffee a good donut the product gets worse and worse and worse it's just gone so it's 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 a farce now the whole thing is a farce like it's, tim it's hortons is. is a garbage restaurant mm -hmm. and the product is 99 i like the chili i will stand by that <laughs> but i will say this everything else is pure garbage it is a garbage restaurant and i i'm not going there anymore eat that tim's if anyone i'm not going there you know what that's impossible. I can't, I have to go there sometimes just to use the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's uh, let's wrap it up with that. Next week, mm -hmm. um, I'm sure we're gonna have a whole slew of uh, new uh, new weird stories, and hopefully, we'll get some updates about this. So, anyone who's listening who has an update or thought on any of the stories we talked about. Uh, you can contact us at nighttimepodcast.com slash contact. And the preferred way to provide an update is by submitting a voice memo. There's an app built right in to the episode description of the podcast or video, as well as on nighttimepodcast.com slash contact. So please get at us that way. Um, anything you want to part with, Aaron? Any weird thoughts? Any weird initiatives you're going to get into to bring back to us next week? You know what? Um, I'm going to try and not go to a Tim Hortons for a week. For a week, and I, 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 that's easy actually, because I, I, I only go to Tim Hortons if I'm like I need a coffee or I'm going to uh, spontaneously combust. Mm -hmm. And the you know Tim Hortons is the only available option. And then and or if I'm at a meeting and someone brings boxes of tim hortons coffee and donuts i'll have at them but um i'm really gonna try and go as long as humanly possible to not go to a tim hortons and support mm -hmm. that garbage company again so let's wrap it up get yourself a metal straw and save your teeth i after doing it for four days i can say i don't know maybe it works and you know what i'm not gonna do with that metal straw what drink a tim hortons coffee Hell yes. All right. Well, let's wrap this up by uh, going out on our um, infamous uh, spontaneous tagline. Uh, Aaron, next time 
keep uh, it tune in keep it so bodacious my and be good with the uh, dentist bumblebee boy I want to thank you for joining Aaron and I for our Keep Canada Weird discussion. But before we part, I have some thanks. First, a big thanks to Aaron for sharing another evening with me and with you, the listeners of Nighttime. Next, a shout out to Monty Data for contributing some of the music for this episode. But most importantly, I want to give a massive thank you to everyone who listens to Nighttime as without your interest and your support, this show would be as pointless as it would be impossible. But with that said, keeping the show alive is and has always been an uphill battle. So if you want to help the show out, make sure you're listening on the premium feed. Not only does it keep the show alive, it'll give you more of each topic than you'll find here on the free feed, as I'm regularly adding exclusive content. For about the price of a cup of coffee, help the show out at patreon.com slash nighttime podcast. And on the topic of the premium feed, I want to thank the newest subscribers, Kay, Kelly, Cooper, Kathy, and Chantel. Thank you for going premium. And for anyone else who'd like to support the show but can't do it with a premium feed subscription, you can give me a big hand by simply sharing this episode on social media and letting like-minded friends know what we're doing here. If you have any story ideas, want to give feedback on the show, or contribute a voice memo, you can do that at nighttimepodcast.com slash contact. You can also find me on social media. I waste my time on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and I also waste my time on the Nighttime Podcast YouTube channel. So until next time, take care of each other, hug your loved ones tight, and let me know if you see anything weird. The Nighttime Podcast is written, hosted, and produced by Jordan Bonaparte. Copyright Jordan Bonaparte. Beautiful, serene, majestic, the true north, strong and weird. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.